You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. but you can certainly make it difficult on yourself when you walk away from it. His ignorant faith hindered the victory over the Syrians. Because of his ignorant faith, the victory over the Syrians was not complete. And I find this to be true throughout the history of Israel. They always fell short of the victory. They were always satisfied with a little victory instead of a huge victory. Never be satisfied with anything less than what God has given you. Do you want to live well and finish well? It's so tempting to take shortcuts in life or even to ignore what you know God is calling you to do or not to do. Today in his message, Pastor Dave walks us through the end of one of the kings of Israel, his shortcomings and failures. He didn't end well. Let his life be a lesson for us to end well. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of 2 Kings chapter 13 as he continues his message, A Tale of Two Faiths. Joash now has faith in God, but his faith is what we call an ignorant faith. What does ignorant mean? Without knowledge. You know, if you're a young person in this day and age, everything is ignorant. I remember when I first started working at Wildwood High School, and you would say something, the first thing you'd say is, oh, that's ignorant. I'm like, what? It was, it was a comeback because everything was ignorant at that time. But it was an ignorant faith. And this is what the Gusick says about this. It's important to remember that Joash was not a worshiper of false gods. He was a false worshiper of the true God. You see the difference? He wasn't a worshiper of false gods. He was a false worshiper of the true God. There's a big difference there. He had some respect for the true God. So he goes and he honors and gives regard to Elisha, unquote. This was a wise decision on his part to go see the prophet. It was very wise on his part, as we'll see. Notice how Joash addresses Elisha. Anybody see anything familiar about the way he addresses Elisha in verse 14? Oh, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and their horsemen. Turn to 2 Kings 2.12. Turn to 2 Kings 2.12. Elisha, Elijah is about ready to be taken up into heaven. And what does Elisha cry out? My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and its horsemen. It's pretty interesting now that Joash is crying out the exact same thing that Elisha cried out when Elijah was taken up into heaven. I find that extremely interesting because he recognizes that Elisha right now was the strength of Israel. And he recognizes that it wasn't Elisha's strength, but it was God's strength coming through Elisha. He knew that the strength of Israel was really and truly the presence of God. And it was present in the prophet. Now, Joash sees the same strength slipping from the earth. And he mourns it. Oh, my father, my father. This is the greatest respect that he has ever shown 
Elisha. This is the greatest respect that he's ever shown God. But being the prophet that Elisha is, he knows what's going on. He knows what's troubling Joash. He knows what's troubling Joash with the sea. He knows that it's the Syrians. And we see him using what little strength he has to help the king. It's really interesting. Once again, we see God's infinite mercy and grace where he, God now is using Elisha to help this compromising king. Remember, what did I just read? He did evil in the sight of the Lord. There's nothing good in him, but God sees him because of the covenant he made, and he wants to help him out. So he's using, you should really read into this, how our relationship with God is, and how he helps us out constantly. We're his children, and he loves to help us out. God had promised he would deliver his people. And God would always keep his promise. He was always faithful. And he's always true. But Elisha was trying to get Joash to exercise his faith. He was trying to get Joash to exercise his faith, as ignorant as it was. But he was trying to get them to exercise an intelligent faith. Unfortunately, Joash didn't have it. Joash didn't have it. Let's read 15 through 19. And Elisha said to him, take a bow and some arrows. So he took himself a bow and some arrows. Then he said to the king of Israel, put your hand on the bow. So he put his hand on it, and Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. And he said, open the east window. And he opened it. Then Elisha said, shoot. And he shot. And he said, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance from Syria. For you must strike the Syrians at Aphek till you have destroyed them. Great prophecy here. Then he said, take the arrows. So he took them. And he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground. So he struck the ground three times and stopped. The man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck five times or six times. Then you have struck Syria until you have destroyed them. But now you will strike Syria only three times. Interesting stuff. Joaz was concerned that the true strength of Israel was about to depart from the world. Joaz needed his guidance. He was actually seeking. And this is a good thing. This is really a good thing on Joaz's part. He's showing great promise. He, sh he is showing good faith. He's showing good faith by going to Elisha and asking, and, and asking for help. This was good. Remember, some of the other kings didn't want any part of Elisha, and they would go into battle without Elisha, and it cost them dearly. Elisha knew where the true strength of Israel was. It was with God. We should remember where our true strength lie with God through Jesus Christ. We can all do all things through Christ who strengthens us. He is our strength. When we are weak, he is strong. He is more powerful. When we humble ourselves, he is strong. He is our strength. We need to look at him for that. So Elisha uses this illustration of the arrow shot from the window to show Joash that the arrow of the Lord's deliverance was still present. Even though he was dying, the Lord was still going to work in Israel. Just because Elisha, a man of God, dies doesn't mean that the Lord was going to stop his work. Doesn't mean the Lord was through in Israel because he died. No, the Lord would continue his work. Just like he did in the judges. As those judges died out and as Israel failed, God would put another judge in there. And another judge and another judge. All Joash had to do was shoot the arrow. 
And he had to have faith to shoot the arrow. Well, he does. He has the faith and he shoots the arrow out the window. Glad he opened it. And he shot the arrow out the window. We have freedom from sin and the bondage it brings. But we have to believe that it's true. We have to believe that we've been set free from the bondage of sin. We have to believe that we have been set through. Deliverance is in our grasp, but we must believe it. By faith, deliverance has been given to us, but what Christ did on the cross. We have to believe it. And though King Joash was not a man of faith, he could follow directions. So what was missing? He didn't have spiritual discernment. He was ignorant. He didn't have spiritual discernment. Spiritual discernment one gets by walking in faith, believing. What did Jesus say to Nicodemus? Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless you are born again, you cannot have that spiritual discernment. We all have been given spiritual discernment by the Holy Spirit as we walk in the Lord. We all have that. Notice that Elisha placed his hands on the king's hand. It symbolized that he was conveying to Joash the power that was from God. He was giving Joash almost like an anointing from God by putting his hands on his hands, transferring some power over there. This is a big time for Joash. I'm really sorrowful at what happens at the end. This was a big time. And shooting arrows towards the area where the Syrians were speaks of the victory over them. And you can read that in Deuteronomy 32, 42, and Psalm 120, verse 4. Up until now, the king was understanding of what was being said and accomplished. He was understanding, shoot the arrow, and that means that. When Elisha told him to take the remaining arrows and strike the ground with them, the king was ignorant of this understanding because he didn't have spiritual discernment. He had been a faithful worshiper of the one true living God. If he had been, he would have seen the truth. He would have known the truth, but he was blind because he was worshiping idols. And this is what idol worship does to us. It makes us blind to the things of God because when trouble gets brewing, we turn to the idol instead of God. Case in point, when you're having a bad day and your idol is drink, you go and drink. If you're having a bad day and your idol is drugs, you go and take some pills to make your day better. Or you go and gamble or you go look at sex or do whatever it is. Those are idols in our lives, and those are idols that build up in our lives, and we go to them instead of going to God, who has already given us the victory through Jesus Christ. And we continue to go for them, and then all of a sudden it becomes physical, and we need it. We have to have it. He was blind because of his worship of idols, and this is what happens. Remember I told you that what you believe, you will ultimately act that way? Where you put your faith, you will ultimately become that. You ultimately act like that. When you put your faith in drugs and alcohol and, and sex and pornography and all those things, you become like those things. You become like those and you're bound by them and you're wrapping yourself up in bondage one more time. You can't undo what Jesus did on the cross, but you can certainly make it difficult on yourself when you walk away from it. His ignorant faith hindered the victory over the Syrians. Because of his ignorant faith, the victory over the Syrians was not complete. And I find this to be true throughout the history of Israel. They always fell short of the victory. They were always satisfied with a little victory instead of a huge victory. Never be satisfied with anything less than what God has given you. 
God has given you a complete victory in Jesus Christ. And the victory is yours. And you have it. You need to claim it and say, yes, Lord, I believe. This is my victory. You are my victory. We need to relieve that. We can't be ignorant in our faith. We have too much of the word of God. We have too much of it right here to help us in our faith. We can't be ignorant in our faith. I love what Guzik said about this, so I have to read this part from Guzik because what he said about it was really good. He said, Elisha clearly asked Joash to do something that modeled prayer. Shooting the arrows required effort and aim. Shooting the arrows required instruction and the help from the prophet of God. Shooting the arrows had to be done through an open window. Shooting the arrows had to be done without knowing the exact outcome ahead of time. The target was only known by faith. Shooting the arrows was ineffective because it was not repeated enough, reflecting a lack of confidence in the process. Pray without ceasing. Continually prayer. Be like the woman who went to the judge and kept on knocking on the door until the judge answered. Continue to pray. Shooting the arrows had a strategic moment, and when the moment passed, it was gone. Failing to shoot the arrows hurt others, not only him. When we get this way, Others will be hurt. We don't realize the ramification of our sin to others. We fail to realize that. Elisha was unhappy about this with the outcome, and he expressed his righteous anger at the king. The victory would only be halfway because of Joaz's ignorant faith. When he had an opportunity to shoot the arrows, it probably seemed too small a thing for him to do. It's just all I have to do is shoot the arrows. He didn't know God's plan for the nation and his seemingly small actions were connected. Some of us have the victory in our hand and we fall short because we stop believing at a point. We stop trusting in God. For one thing, we say, I've been waiting all this time, Lord, and you haven't shown up yet. Peter, I've been waiting for you, Lord, and you haven't shown up. I'm gone fishing. We get that close to the victory, that close, and we give up. Read through the history of Israel, starting in Joshua. They were supposed to conquer the whole land. They were supposed to wipe them all out so that there wouldn't be any interbreeding, so there wouldn't be anything. They were supposed to take it all, but they failed to do that. Heck, two and a half tribes didn't even come across the Jordan. They were happy on the other side of the Jordan. Here you have the promised land, the land flowing in milk and honey, the abundant life in Jesus Christ, and they wait on the other side. We like it here, we're going to stay here. Were they blessed by God? Absolutely they were blessed by God. Did they get God's best? No, because they didn't come into the promised land. You've been given God's best through Jesus Christ. You've been given his best and we need to claim his best. This is for me. All of it. Go back and read Ephesians 1, 2, 3 again. We need to claim those and take those and then move forward. Don't stop short of the victory. Well, I've been waiting for the Lord for a long time. Wait some more. Wait until you get an answer. Continue to pray. He will answer your prayer. Continue to pray and wait. But no, we get anxious. We get impatient. And we move forward without him. Right, ready to bless you. He's right, ready to come. And all of a sudden, you go out and you do something like, oh, come on. And then he has to deal with that mess that you make before he considers the blessing. And even in spite of that, he blesses us. My goodness. Go back and write yourself a blessing list. 
Guarantee you'll run out of paper. My goodness. My goodness. Joash had an ignorant faith. He wasn't ignorant of knowledge. It was ignorant of spiritual knowledge of the Lord. Because when you don't worship the Lord in spirit and truth, you get up, you have an ignorant faith. He didn't look to God. He looked to his idols. And that's where he spent his time. When you spend your time before your idols, they are going to become your God. And you're going to want them in times of trouble. But you know our Lord. Our Lord is faithful. He is just. He is true. And he is incredibly always pouring out his love towards us, even when we have no way of deserving it. He continues to pour that love out upon it. Look at verses 20 and 21. Look at the encouragement that Joash is going to get. Then Elisha died, and they buried him, and the raiding bands from Moab invaded the land in the spring of that year. They buried him. And we don't know how long it was. It must have been in the fall or spring or winter, but it says in the spring of that year. So he's been dead a while. So it was as they were burying a man that suddenly they spied a band of raiders, and they put the man in the tomb of Elisha. And when the man was let down and touched the bones of Elisha, he revived and stood on his feet. <laughs> King probably thought everything was lost now that Elijah died. The Lord doesn't want any more part of us. We're done. We're toast. There's nothing else we can do. Elijah's dead. So to encourage him, he performs a miracle using Elijah's dead body. Like Elijah had something to do with it. I imagine Elijah's up in heaven laughing. This is great. You're going to do what with what? <laughs> I think it's great. God uses this occasion to bring this man back to life. The miracle told the king that even though Elisha was dead, God was not. And God was still on the throne. God was still ruling and reigning and active at work, and he was going to finish the work that he started. And we should be assured of that every single day. Every single day we'd be sure that the miracle said, God's not dead, he's surely alive. Yeah, I know it's a song. Anyhow, all his promises never fail. God's promises never fail. God's promises never fail. Let that seek in. He is always faithful. In verses 22 through 25, as we finish this chapter, we see those three victories that Joash was promised by the arrows. And Haziel, king of Syria, oppressed Israel all the days of Jehoiahaz. But the Lord was gracious to them, had compassion on them, and regarded them because of his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and would not yet destroy them or cast them from his presence. Look at that. Do you see what's being said right there? This idolatrous people, this people that have forsaken God, this people that have walked away from God, that have set up gold, uh, wooden images, golden calves, worshiping Baal, that have completely forsaken him, he says, but the Lord was gracious to them, compassionate on them, and regarded them because of his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and would not yet destroy them or cast them from his presence. The Lord is gracious. He's slow to anger. He's abounding in love full of compassion, a wonderful, gracious Lord that we serve. Now Haziel, king of Syria, died, 
and Ben-Hadad his son reigned in his place. And Joash the son of Jehoaz recaptured the hand from the hand of Ben-Hadad the son of Haziel the cities which he had taken out of the hand of Jehoahaz his father by war. Three times Joash defeated him and recaptured the cities of Israel. It was not Syria wanted to destroy all of Israel and they wanted to take it and make it part of their country. The Lord thought differently. We have here, but God sentenced, but God. Even though Israel deserved punishment, God refused to forsake them. What a picture of God's grace. He gave them the blessings and saved them from the perils. We have the incredible mercy. The Lord was gracious to them because of his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He would not allow them to be destroyed, and he would not destroy them himself. He wouldn't allow them to be cast from his presence, and that's all we want. Lord, cast me not from your presence, David cried when he sinned. Cast me not away from your presence. I want to be with your presence forever. Remember what he said in Psalm 27? I want to be in your house all the days of my life. I want to be there constantly. I want to be cast away. So when he sinned with Bathsheba, one of the first things he says, don't cast me away from your presence. How much more are we with the Holy Spirit in us? Christ in us, the hope of glory. It's interesting that during the reign of Joash and Jeroboam too, God promises come true. God's people were spared once again. And during the reign of these kings, Israel's achievements would continue to increase and it would reach its zenith. But as we go through the book of Kings, you'll see that they never, ever came back. They never stopped their idolatry. Never stopped it. They continued to sin. Prophets like Hosea, Amos, come into the picture and minister to the people, but they continue to sin. And later on, when Hezekiah is around, we have Isaiah and some of the other prophets who come in as we're reading through the book of 2 Kings, but they can't make a difference. The people are set in their ways, and this is what happens. As you worship this idol, you get stuck in it, and you can't get out. Addiction. You get stuck in it, and you can't get out. You find you see no way out. Come back to the one true living God. Come back to the one who died for you on a cross. And he will give you the victory over that sin. He will give you the victory over that addiction. And he will pull you out of the mucky mire and and place you into his marvelous light. He will do for you what you can't do for yourself. Because he died for you. Because he loves you. and, And wants you to have a fellowship with him and the Father. Through the Holy Spirit, he wants you to be one with him. So that you will never feel his the loss of his presence. Just like these kings. You won't feel the loss of his presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Don't take your presence away from me, Lord. Oh, how beautiful it is to be in his presence. We experience that every time we worship him. It's just a beautiful, wonderful thing to see and to feel. So we had two kings, a king of crisis and a king of ignorant faith. Both examples But what was the one thing that remained the same? The word of God. God's love. Absolutely. It never changed, did it? Remained the same. God remained the same throughout the entire time. Why? Because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God is the same. He does not change. And we can be most thankful for that. Amen? We'd love to keep studying the Word of God with you again next time on Assure Hope. 
In the meantime, we invite you to learn more about this program by visiting our website, assurehoperadio.com. There, you'll find our archive of previous messages from Pastor Dave Shank, available to listen to and even share with your friends and family. Just look under the Messages tab. You can listen to additional teachings from this series in 2 Kings or jump to another book of the Bible. A Sure Hope is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cape May. If you're not already connected to a church family, we'd love for you to join us this weekend. We meet weekly, Sundays at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. We'd be happy to get to know you and hear about your story. Find all the information you need by visiting assurehoperadio.com. Look on our website for directions as well as the various ministries that we offer. If you live further away or are unable to come in person, we'd love for you to be a part of our church family virtually. You can join us for church online through Facebook Live and on YouTube. Just follow the links that are available at assurehoperadio.com. Don't forget to like and subscribe to keep up to date with the latest information. As this edition comes to a close, we want you to know we're grateful you're a part of our listening audience. Make sure to join us again next time for more from 2 Kings, where Pastor Dave will pick up where he left off. We look forward to that time with you again as you continue to learn and grow here on A Sure Hope. Oh